Hey guys, it's Oddity Files, the, the podcast. podcast. We're back on land. Thank God. I'm Kitsy Duncan. <laughs> and I'm Clayton Abbott. And we're so happy to have you here. I've been listening back to a couple... I was like, why can't I hear anything? I had it plugged into my laptop. <laughs> I watched you do that and I'm like, I don't think that's where that goes, but I'm not, I'm not okay. smart like that. We're here. So... Um, Train of thought, gone. We'll Sorry. Back on you land. said I've been watching, I've been listening, I've been... Oh, to our past episodes, and we always forget to introduce ourselves and say our names. Oh. So that's well, why Well, we I just assume that. that people know by now. Well, hopefully we're getting new new listeners. Absolutely. I think we are. We for sure are. Yay. Well, we know that we're getting some new listeners because when we checked our analytics while we were on the boat, we had like a decent amount of people, and we know that half of our listeners were on that boat. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> so they have to be coming from somewhere. The cruise was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Except for Sunday. Um, we went clubbing Saturday night. Oh, yes. And I have videos I need to show you. No. No videos. Literally videos. But no. they will go nowhere except oh, here. Oh, dear God. I Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Anywho, we went to Silent Disco, had a blast. And then uh, Clayton and DJ Jimmy come back with a, a juice bottle. A juice with... bottle that was supposed to be used for mixers, but but just turned into consumption. Yeah, I don't know what was in it. Still don't know. What, I'm not sure. I want to know what was in it. It was just a whole bottle of vodka that we put some OJ in, like a splash of OJ to make it look like we just had a bottle oh, of orange shit. juice. And then you guys we guys like, are trouble. Well. There's a third person at hand that well. we're not going to rat out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were like, we'll just bring it down. And then anytime we want to drink, instead of like having to go far away, we'll just go to the bar right here and get like an orange juice and then pour yeah. some of this in there. Yeah. And then like, there we are. I just remember drinking straight out the bottle. Oh, you were. <laughs> On more than one occasion. And they weren't like sips. No, they were chucks. You were going for it. Was it. Like, I was thirsty. It's okay. Anyhow. Sunday uh, was rough, like I said, but on Sunday I was able to do a live podcast with Dave Schrader from Beyond the Darkness. Yeah, and it was great. Like the turnout was amazing. Oh, I know. I was so excited. There was standing so, room because yeah. all the seats were full. It was so great. So we'll post on all the social sites um, when that episode goes goes up of Beyond the Darkness. Our social it, again is at Oddity Files on Twitter. And Instagram. If you're on Facebook, just search Oddity Files and you'll find us there. We do have a super cool secret group called the Oddity Files Fan Group, I believe. And if you click to join that, we'll get you added. And pretty much I just post really cool paranormal stories in there. Yeah, and if you actually follow our Instagram, so anytime that we have like a visual that we want you guys to see, obviously we can't show you via podcast. So DJ Jimmy puts all of those up on our Instagram stories, and it's a really cool way to follow along. There's timestamps and all that. It's so awesome. Um, this week, you probably won't get the video of of Kitsy no. singing and dancing. But what do you mean you know, this week? I just mean like that would be a visual cue this week. Well, you, you made it sound like it's going up next week, and no. I don't like that. At but all. just close your eyes, 
And imagine her singing and dancing to Oh Mickey. Oh, I remember that now. Oh, dear God. Well, I digress. Maybe we'll just put a point in there with like a timestamp that says like, and now close your eyes and we'll just play this like a snippet of the song. Oh, yeah. So enough about my wastedness. Chris and I honestly don't remember going back to the room. Apparently, I heard yesterday from Chris that you guys like walked us to our floor, made sure we made it to there. (laughs) The elevator. Yeah. The elevator, right. So thank you for that. That was very sweet. (laughs) It was a lot of fun, though. Yeah. But on to paranormal and less drunkenness. There is a really cool paranormal story in the news that I wanted to tell you guys about. Um, So the headline from CBS Pittsburgh is Hospice Documenting Patients' Mysterious Dream Experiences. And Dr. Christopher Kerr and his team have been documenting dreams or visions of all these dying patients in hospice for years. And to sum it all up, so I'm not reading this complete story to you, is that all these, like 80% of all these people they've been documenting for all these years are having the most vivid dreams they've ever had in their life while they're on hospice. And it's it's loved ones that have passed that are actually comforting them and making them okay with the thought of death. Some what? of them, yeah, it's crazy. And it's in, in Dr. Kerr's like, I don't believe in the supernatural, the paranormal, anything like this, anything like that. But this is so prevalent that it can't be ignored. Mm. So, like, is it is it your brain trying to make everything okay? But still, I mean, that doesn't even make sense to me. Some people were having actual <clears throat> visions while they're awake, seeing their loved ones, and uh, most of them were actually dreams. And a couple people um, it in the quotes in this article said, this is literally the most vivid dream I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, my gosh. It's kind of neat. It's very cool. But, but kind of scary. Definitely scary. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. That's in Pittsburgh? Um, That's where the article came from. Yeah. Um, The hospice has been, I think all the hospices have kind of been collecting this data. So a little back step. Did you, did your head turn around in the Bahamas? No. No. Did you see the... uh, the article I posted in the Facebook fan group where the deer is being yes. grabbed by something with three, with three fingers, fingers in the States. Maybe they are extinct in the Bahamas because they're all here. They're here. They hopped on that the pearl. That was such a weird story. I know, right? And yeah. Here. Oh, speaking of the cruise, remember we talked last week about Ursula being my favorite villain. Oh. You've had time to ponder. Yes. So I know the audience is anxiously awaiting to find out your favorite Disney villain. So I think it has to just be Scar. Because but you said it wasn't Scar. I know. And I didn't think it was. But then I like started, I literally went through a list of Disney villains. And I was like, none of these pose any level of importance in my life. But Scar. Because, I don't know. I just remember like always... Like hating Scar when I was little, yeah, because like he was terrible. He kills Mufasa, and that he scene does. is like one of the most tragic of all, like Disney classics. <laughs> but should we encompass Star Wars into the Disney? Well, I thought about it. But I was like, I'm going with like classic Disney because yeah, then you could that's include Marvel too. and everything. Yeah, so that it's exactly. like, what do you do? I but, mean, if we include all those, I'm going Vader, of course. Obviously. Okay. Good. Um, 
But another, I don't know if he's a Disney villain, but I guess he kind of is. Sid from Toy Story. He's you. I know. Every time I Literally, see that kid, I'm like, that's Clayton. When I was in, like, at some point in high school and I had braces. And, and that hair. And I shaved my head. <laughs> I literally looked like Sid from Toy Story. And, of course, it was, like, one of my friends that brought it up. And I'm like, uh, screw you. Like, Oh, yeah. But then I saw it and I'm like, oh, they're not wrong. <laughs> no, they're not wrong at all. I don't think you were that evil. I don't know. Right. Allegedly. You know, I did convince my little sister to, like, cut the hair off her Barbies. Oh, you are sad. Because <laughs> I was like, does it bother you that they all have the same hair? <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Weirdest question ever. Off. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and it was always like, we would hold it and just cut it off. So when you let it go, it was just, it just like, all, like sticking, sticking everywhere. Out everywhere. <laughs> um, speaking of Disney villains, though, did you see that they've announced a Disney villain series? No. Yeah. That. So allegedly, Disney, of course, is in the works of uh, a streaming service to compete with Netflix. Right. And this is going to be one of the shows, and it's called Book of Enchantment. That's going to be in this Disney streaming service. But it's all about Disney villains. So here's my quandary. Because I love Maleficent. I love live action Maleficent. Mm -hmm. Because you realize she's really not the villain. Where are they going to put her? I don't know. Did you know they're making a Maleficent 2? Yes. I'm so excited. Angelina Jolie's on board and everything. Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer, maybe? I don't know. Another big name from that era. Do you see, so you know how they're uh, bringing back Twilight Zone? Yes. So I didn't know Steven Yeun was in it. No, neither did I. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. The most recent teaser that they put out, like you see his face, they're all like a bunch of really quick images. Yeah. Or clips. And James like, was that Steven? Uh, Was that Steven Yeun? And then sure enough, like a better, like more close up shot of him came up. And we were like, oh my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. It wasn't. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think she'd be amazing. But it's crazy to see like all these Walking Dead people that we've worked with since season one. Oh, yeah. That have since left the show, like Cudlitz and Lauren Cohen and Sonequa Martin Green and Deny and um, like Chandler just picked up a new show. Oh, yeah. Lauren Cohen's new show just premiered last night. Yeah. Um, It's crazy. It it actually is crazy. I know, but I'm so happy for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's their job, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's good to see like people that you. You enjoy being around. Yeah. Which means they'll come back to shows again, (laughs) which is always a good sign. (laughs) What'd you say? I said definitely Sonequa for Star Trek. Oh, have you seen Sonequa? I've never watched it. Oh, she's amazing. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess we could go back and catch up. So we just subscribed for CBS uh, On Demand or whatever. It's All Access. Yeah. Yeah. We just subscribed to it so that we could watch Survivor. Um, Shamelessly. I don't even care. Um, I was nuts about it the first two seasons, but that was, what, 20 years ago? They're on season 38. (laughs) That's insane. So we hadn't watched it the same since, like, season four or five or whatever. And then last season, we accidentally, um, it was on, and we watched an episode, like, halfway through the season uh, because we were waiting for something. Oh, we were waiting for American Horror Story to come on. Oh. And so the TV just happened to be on. Because we watched Price is Right in the morning, so when we turned the TV on, Survivor was on. We're like, well, we'll just that watch this. That is adorable. <laughs> and uh, so then, next thing we know, we're watching like seven episodes in a row to catch up. And then we're like, wait, when when does the next season premiere? Like, what's the theme going to be? Like, da 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 da. All access, we have access to literally every episode. Oh, so you can go all the way. We can back. go all the way back. God, it was like 
Elizabeth was like my favorite then, like season yeah, two. two. She was cute little blonde. Australian Outback. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Crazy. I can just still hear the theme song in my head. Can you guys tell we haven't caught up since the cruise? Yeah, right. We're just <laughs> we're just bantering. Yeah. I guess I guess we should probably tell stories because that's kind of why people... stories. Who did go first last time? Um, well, it is Casey's. Oh, it's my turn! Yay! Oh. So, I have. Um, I was channel surfing one day and I came across a show called Close Case with AJ Benza, which I don't know where I know him from, but nineties something. Anyway, um, he was covering the cursed. Uh, the Curse of the Poltergeist franchise. Okay. Which I've, I've known a little bit about. You know, you heard about the older sister dying after the first one, and everybody knew that the uh, Heather O'Rourke, who played Carol Ann, died during the filming of the right. third one. And I'd always heard, you know, allegedly the film series was cursed, and so I, yeah. I was blown away with everything that happened. So here's my story. The movie is both the reason I was terrified of paranormal as a child and probably my current obsession with the world of the paranormal all in the same thing. This is the problem with ADD with a heavy dose of OCD. The original film premiered in 1982. I saw it at a drive-in theater and it fucked with my head for months afterwards. It's probably the first scary movie I had ever seen because my mother wouldn't let me watch scary movies. (laughs) So I think that's why it left such a mark on me. Um... So I did have nightmares. I'd see things. At one point, I thought I saw, you know, the hand that comes jumping out of the TV? Right. At one point, I thought I saw that come out of the wall in my bedroom. It was ter- over over my baby sister's crib, who's what? 10 years younger than I was. So she was two. It was terrifying. <laughs> um, the movie takes the lore of ghosts and brings it to suburbia. I literally lived in a neighborhood that looked identical to one in the movie like two years before that. And I think that, again, is what left its mark. Um, So I guess all the curses, all curses have an origin, either accidental or intentional. And the curse seems to go along the lines, this curse seems to go along the lines of accidental. In the movie, spoilers, I mean, if you haven't seen the 1982 Poltergeist yet, sorry. You've had time. Um, The family finds out that the reason for the hauntings of their house is tied to the skeletons of Native, nay, Indigenous Americans that are dug up during a pool installation to make an awesome movie sound totally boring. But it appears the scene may also have been the reason for the curse. So the legend has it that the prop skeletons that come up out from the, the, the water when the pool's being dug up, they were real. What? They were real life skeletons. How? Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into that. Um, (laughs) Legend says that the prop skeletons weren't really props at all, but actual skeletons dug up from an ancient burial ground in India. They were then donated to a medical research facility, and then the prop masters were able to get these real skeletons dirt cheap from the research facility. Oh. Unbeknownst to most of the cast and crew. First and foremost, who is this prop guy? And why is, I hope he's still not working. Because, (laughs) damn. And this is where many people believe the curse of Poltergeist started. What was to happen to the cast and crew is what seals the deal for many that, that these bones were actually cursed. 
it all started playfully with Jo Beth Williams. She plays the mom in the first one. She'd find things moved around in her home, like pictures would be crooked, and she mentioned it to people, and people just kind of, you know, laughed it off. And then Dominique Dunn, she plays the older sister in that one. Um, she had similar activity, but books were actually flying off the shelves in her home, which is very interesting. Now, this is, I had never, ever heard this before. Oliver Robbins, mm-hmm. he plays Robbie, the brother. He has the scene with the clown, which I'm going to get into right. here. Um, he was actually the first to have the curse attack him on set. We're all familiar with the clown scene of the first movie, and it scarred many, many, many people for life and think including my husband. Um, During the filming of this iconic scene, this animatronic clown doll kind of takes a life of its own and the remote control stops working and the clown continues to to choke poor Oliver. And they're like, damn, this kid is like killing it. I mean, this scene is going to be amazing. (laughs) Until the director kind of is like, no, I think something is wrong, reached in, pulled the doll off of him and he was able to breathe again. Oh, my God. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Uh, a few months after the shooting of the first movie, Wrapped, this is the one pretty much everybody's heard of, the first real tragedy of the curse hit. At her home, Dominique Dunn was brutally attacked by her ex-boyfriend on her front lawn. He ended up taking her to her neighbor's backyard and strangled her in broad daylight. She was 23 years old when she died. Oh, my gosh. But I guess the producer said, you know, the show must go on. Um, filming begins on Poltergeist 2. And after the first day of shooting, the crew goes back to look at the dailies, which is the footage they film that day, kind of make sure everything's okay. Right. And lo and behold, there's actually no footage on the negative. So I can see maybe one scene for getting depressed record because been there, done that. <laughs> um but the entire day's worth of footage was lost. Whoa, that's detrimental. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But guess what? They were using real skeletons again on Poltergeist 2. I know. The scene they were filming was of these skeletons. So I'm just saying I would just pack up, go home, whip out the sage, but not these guys. When Will Sampson, who plays the Native American spirit man in the movie, came on set, he knew he just felt something was off. Mm-hmm. Um, Samson was actual a shaman in real life and was the first to bring up this feeling of just something was off. And then it was brought up that they were using the real skeletons again, and that's what was putting out the bad vibe again. And he said that he would... Go ahead and leave the set doors open. I'm going to come in tonight and I'm going to, you know, do my rituals and smudge the place right. and see if we can get rid of this negativity and this so-called quote unquote curse. Um, so the next day, everybody came back. Everything felt better. Everything felt brighter. No, no more tension. No more bad vibes. So they thought that everything was okay. So throughout the filming of the second movie, Samson started wearing an oxygen mask on set. That's the guy who saved the place and started looking more and more frail. It turns out he had emphysema and had taken a super quick turn for the worse after he had performed the exorcism ritual on set. It's terrifying. <clears throat> and one year after the day of the cleansing slash exorcism, Will Sampson died on the operating table during a routine surgery 
at the age of 52. Craig T. Nelson, which we all know he was the dad, Mm -hmm. he had gone on record to say the presence of Samson on set during the filming of Poltergeist 2 saved the cast and crew from tragedy. So just his presence being there because nothing else really happened. Um, And he believed, uh, Craig T. Nelson believes that it ended up costing him his life. Whoa. Nuts. I'm covered in goosebumps right now. So then the studio starts talking Poltergeist 3 because, you know, third time's a charm, right? Oh, God. Are you kidding me? (laughs) When filming the third film, an explosion scene went horribly wrong, going off much larger than anyone had anticipated and causing millions of dollars of unwanted damage. It was in a car park and cars that weren't even affiliated with a movie ended up setting on fire and just millions of dollars of damage. And then there's the iconic puddle scene from episode not episode three, Poltergeist I, I'm with three. You. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had built this huge pool of water to film into the water from the outside, so they wouldn't need underwater cameras. And as was filming was about to begin, a crew member screams out, "Everybody offset!" As this eight inch thick glass that created this pool of water no. started cracking from the inside out. For no apparent reason. That's insane. And, and if they had not abandoned set, people could have died. And there's a couple more. So the most memorable character, aside from Carol Ann, is Tangina to me. She's the lady in the first one that goes, this house is clean. She's the little teeny tiny medium lady yes. that comes in. Um, That's who uh, from Insidious. Have you ever seen any of the Insidious movies? I think I saw the first one. She reminds me of, I feel like, that character was inspired by that character. Keep going. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Could be. Um, she played Zelda Rubenstein, which I never knew who her character name was. Um, and she was more than a little freaked out when shooting a publicity photos for Poltergeist 3. In the middle of this shoot, she felt a jolt of electricity or energy go through her body, and she actually lurched forward. She's not a medium in real life. So she was right. freaked out. By all this. And the crew, you know, is like, oh my God, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. But during this shoot, producer Barry Bernardi gets a phone call just after she had this incident that her mother had just passed. Which is kind of crazy, but it gets crazier. The next day, um, the photographer was looking through the proof sheet. So, you know, he's got all the photos all lined up. Mm -hmm. And the one they took at that moment Stop. when she felt that jolt of electricity has was, a white mist in front it. of her. Crazy. So that may just be something personal for her. It may be part of the curse. I don't really see that as part of the curse, but it's still an interesting I mean, story. It's still relevant. Yeah. Um, and then later filming a scene in the John Hancock building uh, for s- season three. <laughs> Poltergeist 3. The building engineer was on set uh, for this particular scene. So he was actually part of the building maintenance crew as opposed to the actual film crew. Um, Once filming was done and everybody started to leave, the engineer was still sitting in his chair. A crew member, assuming he had just fallen asleep, tried to wake him up, only to realize that he had died during the filming that night. And then this one is the heartbreaker. 
So Heather O'Rourke, she played our sweet little blonde hair, blue eyed baby angel, Carol Ann, Mm -hmm. was pretty much the face of the franchise. Right. Um, sadly, during the filming of the third movie, oh, Heather gosh. was battling a mysterious illness. And you, when you watch um, the third movie, she starts out real thin and just bloats throughout filming. And I always wondered, you know, what had happened there. The crew was setting up the final scene to film in what would end up being the final movie of the trilogy when Heather's agent called the set to tell the director that Heather had died. Oh. <gasps> She had died from an intestinal infection. She was 12 fucking years old. Whoa. 12. And she was misdiagnosed from a bad reading of an x-ray. And her death could have totally been avoided. Good Lord. Yeah. And this is what brought the possibility of these movies being cursed to the light of day. The press had a field day with it after the third one was done. And um, something I, it's personally something I've always wanted to know more about, and I hope you did too. And all these things could have been a coincidence. But what are the odds? What like, are the chances? Whoa. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. And, you know, they say a lot of <clears throat> horror movies claim to be cursed, this, that, and other for publicity reasons, but that's a whole lot of shit going on. That's weird. Yeah. And it's not like, okay, I get it if it's just like the robot messing up. It's snowing outside. It is snowing outside. Sorry. Um, if it's like just the robot messing up, like, okay, stuff's going to happen on set. Right. But over the production of three films, like. And it just kept going. I blame the prop guy. Totally. I absolutely blame the prop guy. All these. Oh, absolutely. All these spirits are pissed off. They're like, this is what, like, this is what you're doing with my body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to mention they were stolen from their grave. I know. I mean, just, I feel, I totally feel bad for them. How did he not get in trouble? I, I don't know. Questions that need answers. I know, right? <laughs> AJ Benza didn't go over that shit. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. So that is the curse of the Poltergeist franchise. Oh, that's good. I liked that. Yeah. Um. So mine, you might know a little bit about it, but I don't know. The Minnesota Iceman? No. You, okay, great. Good. I like that. I, I, I hate it. when like I, because I, with all like the like mysteries at the museum and all this that you watch. I'm always scared. Like she already knows everything. <laughs> no, no, I really, I re- it doesn't, I don't retain it. <laughs> it's called Alzheimer's. <laughs> um, so in 1968, two cryptozoologists, Ivan Sanderson, a science writer and Dr. Bernard Huevelmans, a Belgian naturalist thought they had made the find of the century. Huevelmans had been a house guest of Sanderson when the two of them heard about a creature, not quite human and very hairy that was preserved in a block of ice. The creature had been shown in carnivals and fairs across the, the Midwest. Um, its exhibitor, Frank Hansen, had claimed that it was a man left over from the Ice Age and charged um, people 25 cents for a peak um, in its refrigerated glass coffin. What a bargain. Right. <laughs> so Sanderson and Huevemans, they're like, hmm, we're not sure, Like, but let's go check it out. Yeah. So they drive to Hansen's farm where the thing had been stored for the winter, which is funny, but anyway. Yeah. Um, it was in a cramped trailer 
They examined the creature and became convinced that they found a Neanderthal man, Bigfoot, or something of, you know. Something in between, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So they stayed and they studied it for three days. Oh, shit. And Huevelmans believed that it was legit. Can we just talk about your pronunciation of Huevelmans? It's excellent. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, it's probably completely wrong, but, you know, I'm sticking with this. He even smelled the decay where part of the ice block exposed the body Ooh. of it. And it, it like reeked of decay. Um, they also discovered that it had apparently been shot through the eye. So Huevelman guessed that the creature had been murdered in Vietnam during the war and smuggled into the United States in a body bag. Don't know where he got that idea, but he was confident about it. Okay. As long as he's confident. Right. Go Huevelman. So Huevelman wrote a paper about the beast for the Institute of Natural Science in Belgium. Um, and he, he named it Preliminary Note on a Specimen Preserved in Ice. Semicolon, unknown living hominid. Okay. Mouthful. Yeah. And then Sanderson wrote an article called Living Fossil on the same subject for some magazine. Okay. So the Smithsonian got involved because they see this and they're like, what's going on? Like, why don't we know about this? Of course. Literally like the Smithsonian. Which is huge. So Sanderson approached Dr. John uh, Napier about scientifically examining it. So Napier is from the Smithsonian. So Is it still frozen? Yes, it's okay. in a whole block of ice. Wow. So like they can only examine the only part of it that's exposed is this like little part that's like I'm either melted or chipped away. Toe. But it's like preserved <laughs> in this ice block. Okay. Um so the Smithsonian though found out about the murder theory being like if it is just a really hairy man well, that's been shot exist. and frozen like this is something that this isn't what we need to be Off to homicide. In. Yeah. Yes. So they asked the FBI to investigate it. Oh, shit. Yeah. So the head of the agency, then J. Edgar, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, declined uh, pointing out that there was no law violated if the beast was indeed a non-human. So, so like back to the Smithsonian. Right. Okay. So if it's not just a really hairy man, no one's breaking the law here. It's, okay. Yeah. It's but, no different than having like taxidermy. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. Um. But it was funny because while this is going on, keep in mind this man that's traveling these carnivals changed all of his signs, and they then said, "The near man investigated by the FBI." <laughs> yeah, and, but, and then he probably charged thirty cents. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta get um, the publicity wherever you can. Because then he took it back on the road. Um, so Which seems it, sketchy. I really feel like it should be sitting in a vault somewhere until it's figured right. out. Go ahead. So an additional twist to the murder story occurred when. The tabloid, the National Bulletin, ran a story in which a woman, Helen Westring, claimed that she had killed the creature. And according what? to the story, Westring had been hunting in Minnesota in a town with a nightmare of a name in 1966 <laughs> name. Uh, when the thing attacked her and she killed it with a shot through the right eye. Okay. Which is consistent with the thing. But if she had ever been to a carnival and seen it, well, yeah. it's in a block of ice. You can tell its eye is gone. Yeah. So she, I feel like Helen is just looking for her 15 minutes of fame. Egg, attention whore what? So yeah. at the same time, a Hollywood special effects firm claimed that they had made the Iceman in 1967. What? Howard Ball, who made figures for Disneyland with his son Kenneth, had modeled it in a fake rubber trying to make it look like um, their idea of an, a Euro-early modern human. 
which are like Neanderthals from anywhere, I think it said from like 400,000 to 37,000 okay. years ago. I could, I could see that. Um, with a broken skull and one eye popped out. So Helen saying she shot it. No, um, no, no. Take me back. Howard, so he created it with a broken skull? Correct. And, well, that's not Disney. Oh, no. He just worked for Disney. Oh. But he's saying he did this just to make. Just for shits just and giggles. to make it with his son. Okay. So Helen's saying she shot it. Howard and Kenneth are saying, well, they made it out of fake rubber. Um, Thaw that bitch out. <laughs> like, listen. So Hanson, carnival guy. Okay. Never clearly confirmed or denied that the original creature was a model, saying that the creature was originally owned by a mysterious millionaire who declined to have it examined. Yeah, I'm just going to call bullshit. So the Smithsonian loses interest, and they're like, we just wasted all this time and money on a hoax. So they literally just like, we're We're out. We don't even care anymore. Yeah. Sanderson and Huevelmans are now embarrassed beyond belief because they've like written like books and all this stuff about this thing. So they backed off of their original claims about the creature. What's crazy is that, as for the Iceman himself, Hansen removed it from the um, from his carnival, um, and even reported destroying it. But rumors say that it sh- uh, still shows up at trade shows and like freak shows every now and then. Really? But no one really knows what happened to it. Well, that tells me it's a fake. If it just disappeared, and maybe the Disney guy's making more and sending them to these. I don't know. That's bizarre. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, there are actual photos of it. Like, it's not like this is all just a made-up story. Like, yeah. all this stuff actually happened. And all the time and money and resources. But when all the drama came up of all these people saying, no, I did this, no, I did this, and the Smithsonian had they, leaving. Had that thought it out from the beginning? It'd been like, oh, that's that's a rubber suit. Right. But why did it smell? Yeah. See that? I was like, did I imagine he said it stunk? Yeah, um, they but could yeah, like smell the that, decay when they went in the trailer. And it's just gone. It's just... Okay, who has it? Email us, oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. Bemidji, Minnesota. Bemidji, Minnesota. If not, Helen, if you're still with us, go hunting again. <laughs> yeah, bring us another one. We'll take it frozen. I'll yeah. thaw that bitch out, but... <laughs> but like my thing That's, is and wow. I found a photo online that I'm sure uh, James will post but it like it says that it was the first like decent resolution photo not from the 60s um, right. of this thing and it I mean it looks like it has a messed up face and like yeah but okay so somebody had to I, I feel like the guy who was charging a, right. a quota um, knew it was fake I don't know I mean, in my mind, absolutely. He's like a traveling carnival. Right. But if you think about it, like at the time, like the bearded lady and all, like those were real, like at freak shows. Yeah. Yeah. They're all real. Huh. You know what I mean? Like what's, I think it was a human, you know, like the wolfman people with like hair oh, and yeah, yeah, face yeah. and everything. I think it was someone like that, that. Crazy carnival guy shot in the face, shot in the face, and froze, froze him, <laughs> and then claimed that it was a Neanderthal. Yeah, because like I don't know, I don't either. I don't. I want to. I want to talk to the guy who worked for Disney. I want to know if he looked at that and says, "Oh yeah, that's what I made," or if he's just, 
oh yeah, I'm that good. I can make this kind of prop. Um, Smell. Look as well. at me. I want my 15 minutes of Howard I... Ball. Howard Ball. Howard. Oddity Files Crew at gmail.com. I want to talk to you. That's a great story. It was cool. I like that it's like there's there's no resolve and it's not even like a cryptid where there's no resolve. Like, is it real? Like, it's like, is it still out there? Right. <laughs> My thing is, what was he lugging this thing? Or Because if I, I if a full human were to be frozen in ice, that's some heavy shit. Well, how did he like... Okay, it was a the single 30s? bag of ice you get from the convenience store is heavy. Oh, it's heavy. Think about a block with a, a oh yeah mysterious man in it. And if he's in this like circus type atmosphere, you have the circus in the summer. How's he keeping it frozen well, it, yeah, under the tent? What did it say? It said that um, he charged twenty five cents for a peek at the thing in its refrigerated glass coffin. Oh, this man was making money. Yeah, he was. Uh, twenty five cents I can is only probably imagine that three million dollars nowadays. Glass coffin would not be cheap. <laughs> no. No. It's like huh. a really big deep freeze. I need to know more. Tower ball. We need answers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call someone at the Smithsonian. Be like, what Do you really remember happened? this? And they're probably going to laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't talk about that. Yeah, don't. Don't. We buried that. <laughs> Excuse me. I did get called out a couple weeks ago that I uh, burp in every episode. Do you? I think I do. I, I hit it this time. So if you guys can find that, <laughs> you let me know. <laughs> Uh, that was great. Yeah, it was really cool. Crazy though. So, as you know, next week we will be at Horror Hound for ah! a live panel, which is so exciting. So exciting. At seven, six to seven. Six to seven. Yeah. Um, I'm super super excited. I am too. We I need to make a video. Fans. By the way, I said we'd make a video on the cruise to promote it on the. Oh right. And I'm like, what do we need to make? Like a, a like a hype video. Yeah. Yeah. What? Just whatever. We can just look at it and stick our tongues out. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I've actually gotten Clayton and I a uniform. Yes. That we're gonna wear. So the only way you're gonna know what it is is if you show up. Yep. Or wait until the following. When are we gonna? Is that gonna be an episode? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're gonna have to wait till the next week for it to. Yeah. Air to find out what we. It is gonna be on Friday. So we can have it the following Friday, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The following Friday. Yeah. I love it. I um, this is completely off topic. Okay. But I I was talking to a friend of mine um last week oh, and great. and he knew that I was into the paranormal and this that and the other and um I walk into the room and he's like, um, did you know? Do you know the farm um in just north just Westfield I think it is yeah um called Fox Hollow Farms I'm like, yes I do. But in case you listeners don't know about the what I'm calling my dream home, it's a it's like an 18 acre ranch, yeah, in, just right near Carmel. I think it's Westfield. I'm not absolutely positive, but a serial killer lived there. Um, probably killed more than 20 people there. His name was Herb Baumeister. If you want to look him up, feel free. Um, he was a serial killer in the 90s and allegedly responsible for 20-plus murders. And nearly half of these murders took place at Fox Hollow Farms. 
this is where Rob Graves has lived for the past 10 years. So any of you that have seen the Ghost Adventures episode on Fox Hollow Farms, you know the story I'm about to tell you. Um, and then you know that this place is haunted. But, you know, you mix the true crime with the haunted. And it's it's this girl's dream. Um, here's a little bit on her Baumeister for those true crime geeks out there like myself. In the 1990s, investigators with the Marion County Sheriff's Department and the Indianapolis Police Department began investigating the disappearance of gay men of similar age, height, and weight in the Indianapolis area in 1992. Investigators were contacted by a man named Tony Harris claiming that... A gay bar patron calling himself Brian Smart had killed a friend of his and had attempted to kill him with a pool hose during an erotic asphyxiation session. Harris eventually happened to see this same man again in August of 1995, following him and noting the license plate number. So this went on for quite a while. Um, Herb was married with two children. Apparently he was gay. The 90s were a different time than we're in now. Kind of. Still blaming him. Um, But the weirdest thing I found from the story, he had sex with his wife six times in 20 years. Do you not know there's a problem there? Six times. Anywho. Red flag. Yeah. Wait, and how many kids? Three. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know. Um, but it, it all got kind of brushed under the carpet that all these gay men were disappearing. I guess allegedly they said, well, no, they've just gone off to the, the cops would tell them they've just gone off to the big city. They're, they don't want to be in Indiana, but they were really dying. And it pisses me off that I never even heard of this story either. And I thought it was maybe because I lived in Chicagoland at the time and it just didn't get out. But I was talking to, um, this Gentlemen, the interview we're about to play, I swear I will promise I'm going to get to it eventually. But he says even in India, it was kind of all swept under the rug. Because this is in the 90s, like yeah. early 90s? Yeah. Whoa. It's really sad and pisses me off. But I still want to investigate there. I feel like these young men have fucking stories to tell. Uh, tell and I want to fucking tell them. Whoa. But anyway, here is my interview with Rob Graves. He's gonna, um, he's got a book coming out in September about Fox Hollow Farms, Whoa. and he's gonna tell us all about the good stuff here. Well, the first thing that happened to to me and and my wife was I was on the back of the house painting, and I was up on a ladder, and my wife hollers up to me and says, "There's a man in the woods in a red shirt." So I get down off the ladder, and because of the history of the house, and it had been vacant for about five years before we got here, people would come down the drive uh, just to see where this stuff had happened. If we don't keep the gate shut, we have a gate, but uh, when we first got here, I didn't keep it shut all the time, and people would drive down the drive. So I thought it was another one of those uh, in Hollywood they call them looky-loos. Oh, yeah. They want to see where stuff happened. So I get down off the ladder, and I said, well, where... Where is he? And she said, well, he's gone. And I said, well, where did he go? And she said, well, I didn't tell you, but that's the second time I've seen it. And I said, saw what? And she said, over by those three trees, a guy in a red shirt, sort of walking away. She said he had very short, like, Marine-style crew haircut. And uh, she said he literally walked into the woods, uh, or into the trees, rather, and just disappeared. Oh, my goodness. 
the strange thing about him was he was see-through from the waist down. He he did not have any legs, or at least the appearance of legs. Did he acknowledge her in any way, or did he? No. Did, was he just there and gone? He was there. He walked. He was walking away uh, from her into the woods. So you know, I uh, I made a joke about you know you losing your mind or something like that. Yeah, and that sounds said, well, like my husband. <laughs> well. Uh, and we were married a long time, 33, 34 years. And so she, it was very uncharacteristic characteristic of her to, to say something like that rather than off the wall. So I didn't think a whole lot more about it other than, you know, she really believed what she had seen. So we had rented our, we have a, what we an in-law quarters to a young guy that I knew. He needed a place. Mm-hmm. And he got on the Internet one night and found that a paranormal group had come to the house about a year before we moved in. The house was empty, but there was a caretaker here. Apparently, he would just let anyone come by and uh, visit. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I emailed the guy, and he called me back, and he says, uh, yeah. He says, uh, I, I asked him, "Have you? did you find anything while you were here? And he says, well, yeah. Uh, he says, haven't you seen anything? And I said, well, no. He said, well, that's one of the most haunted houses in Indiana. And I said, well, my my wife saw something. And he says, let me tell you what she saw and where she saw it. He said, you look out your master bathroom window to the west side of the property. There's a group of three trees. She saw a guy in a red shirt with no legs. Okay, that had to be creepy. <laughs> yeah, this was on the telephone. Un, unsolicited uh, comment. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what she saw. So <laughs> at that point, he says, well, we would love to come back and do a full investigation for you. At no cost and confidential. Mm-hmm. We had decided before we did all this that we were just trying to sort of ignore the history and sort of move Understandably on. Understandably so. <laughs> and uh, so I, I really didn't want any part of that. So about another six months goes by, and I got a call from the same guy that I had called about mm-hmm. what happened. And he said, uh, look, I've got a paranormal conference here in town. I have people from the History Channel, the Travel Channel, the Sci-Fi Channel. And we would love to come out and do an investigation for you, but it has to be this week. It's, uh, um, you know, th- these people are in from out of town. Never mind if you some... live there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So something told me, I agreed to it. I said, uh, okay, sure. So that following, uh, uh, that was like Thursday. My wife had gone to this Colorado for a medical conference. I called her and I said, hey, the Ghostbusters will be back out or be out on Saturday. And she said, good. Maybe they'll pick up on what I pick up on. And once again, I have to ask, what are you talking about? She said, well, there's a place in the house I don't like to go. I said, where? And she said, well, I don't want to tell you because you'll tell them. (laughs) No, 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 I won't won't tell them. So very reluctantly, she says, in your bathroom in front of the closet. So I said, what's wrong? She said, I hair just stands on the back of my neck. I just, uh, just something tells me I shouldn't be in there. I said, okay. So these people come out the following Saturday, um, about 30 people. I recognized some of them from some television shows, and uh, two psychics came. Oh, wow. It was a, a woman and her son who was 18, and apparently he had seen and heard spirits since he was two. So they come in our entryway, and they're introducing themselves, and the uh, female psychic, she points to the top of the stairs and says, there's a male spirit at the top of the stairs just glaring at me. And I said, and of course, I can't see it. Okay, I've got goosebumps, you just saying that. (laughs) And then her son chimes in and says, 
And exactly the way he said it was, there's a room in this house for a man I want to see. Room for a man. Well, of course, that was my bathroom. <laughs> so to, to, to sort of wrap this up quickly, the all of those people sort of wound up in my bathroom. They uh, There's some sort of feeling about that room, blah, blah. So this went on until about 3 o'clock in the morning, and they told me things very specific about the killer, about the killings, things that you could see on the Internet. But okay. I, so I really wasn't convinced. And, I understand. Uh, so about midweek, those people left, and about midweek, uh, one of the investigators had given me her card, and she, I, I felt she was a little bit more on the level. She wasn't as dramatic as these other people. And I called her, and I said, you know, they knew too much. It was just a little too corny. And I called, or uh, I said, do you have a psychic maybe that you know that would not know the story or the history? Mm-hmm. And she said, I believe I do. And I said, can you call her? She said, sure. So the following weekend, she brings up a lady from Morrisville, Indiana, and uh, her name was Myrna, Myrna Clark, and she, uh, uh, Cook, rather, Myrna Cook, and she came up to the house and she said, what do you want me to do? And I said, just walk around. And she walked around for about 20 minutes. I didn't tell her anything. Good. And she, and she said, I'm drawn to the backyard. I said, okay. Oh. So she goes out the front door, around to the back side of the house, and walks directly to the spot where the killer had burned some bones. Now, it mm. just looks like wood now. Woods, you can't tell it was ever a fire. Right. And she stood there for a few minutes, and she said, I see fire. Not that you're going to have a fire. The fire has already happened. And she said, I feel people are buried here. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't, yes or no, I didn't confirm anything. So she came back inside. We sat down at the table, and I said, Myrna, what's, what's going on here? And she said, well... Um, there's at least four spirits in your house. And she said um, they were victims of a killer. Mm. Matter of fact, there were a lot of killings here. And she said, uh, after that, she said these spirits are sort of trapped here. And then she said, your bathroom. (gasps) At that point, I said, okay, Marla, what's wrong with my bathroom? You don't like it. My (laughs) wife doesn't like these other people. She said, well, your bathroom's a portal. And what? I, said, I said, what's a portal? She said, a portal is an area where the spirits transition from this world where we are to where they are stuck. She said a lot of times people that die, especially people that die violently, don't know they're dead and they don't need, they don't know they need to go to the light. Okay. Which is what a lot of psychics have described. After you die, you make a trip. Your spirit makes right. a trip. So these people are caught somewhere in between where they're supposed to go and here. You know, you need to get rid of it. And she said, well, I can't. But uh, she said eventually the positive energy of the family being here will will close the portal. Oh, that's neat. I've not heard that before. That's really neat. But those are the two things. My wife telling me about a guy in the woods in a red shirt and a total stranger telling me about a guy in the woods in a red shirt. And then the bathroom. She tells me about the bathroom and then all these other people. Tell me about the bathroom. That's, so, that's very interesting. I've not heard the whole portal theory before. Yeah. So those are the two things that I have serious questions about because yeah. I, I can't explain them. Has, yeah, no, not, absolutely. Had she not told me those two things and then total strangers told me about them, I'd blow a lot of it off. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Sort of blow that off. Yeah. So about your book, you you kind of wrote it with a, a, a somebody else who's into the paranormal, correct? 
Correct. Yeah, this guy's name is Richard Estep, E-S-T-E-P. And Richard lives in Colorado, and he's published, oh, seven or eight books on the paranormal. And he approached me about doing this. And I said, well, I'm not interested so much in that, but I would be glad to cover the, the, the factual part of the case, yeah. the the crime part. And we agreed, and we did it, and it's due to be published in September. That's awesome. And it's available on pre-sale on Amazon right now. And it in is. writing the book, did did you come across anything that you were surprised by, or did he come across anything that he was surprised by? Well, the there is one... One thing that we did, you know, run across, uh, during all of this, uh, the killer, uh, the alleged killer, did not kill one person. And that one person had sort of come into our lives recently. Um, he wanted to come back out here and sort of make peace with everything. He had not been here in 20 years. Oh, wow. And I agreed to let him come back out. And he told a really entirely different story to us. Uh, about what his relationship was with the killer. Oh. Uh, the official story here is, is that he was here once. Um, they did whatever they were going to do, and then he took him back to his car. The killer took him back to his car downtown, and that was it. Okay. Um, well, according to this uh, survivor, as we call him, he, uh, this relationship went on for about two, two and a half years. Oh, wow. And, of course, everybody's going to have to buy the book to find out the story behind that, which is very, very interesting. Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, you live in my dream home. Someday I will get out there and investigate it or see if I feel any weird things. But, you know, the story you told me about the psychic who said that the positivity of the family will close the portal. That's like the best news I've heard all day. So thank you for that. (laughs) Sure. And I can tell you that it has quieted down uh, the activity. The, the oh, paranormal or but it has quieted down over the years. Um, but they still periodically let us know they're here. And and we certainly didn't set out to do this. Uh, you know, certainly by profit or you know, of course very little. But the we were drugged down this path to sort of tell this story. And the victims, these guys that were killed, were were they didn't get much much recognition in life, and they yeah. certainly didn't get much in death. So. So maybe giving them a little bit of a voice and uh, maybe some closure. That's so, incredible. Isn't that amazing? But I want to go so bad. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm, I'm going to keep working on it. Um, and a great guy. And, and I love how – so his wife is a forensic scientist. So for her to see that ghost, acknowledge the fact that right. that was a ghost is a really big deal. And I get her not wanting to tell him because she thinks she's crazy because I live it every day. Um and um, I had heard – so this is the second time I recorded this interview. We're not going to talk about it. But in the first <laughs> interview, he mentioned that he's only had one experience himself. Wow. He was in the pool room, the little place where the filters and everything are down in the basement. Mm-hmm. And he sees shadow figures down there a lot, which makes complete sense. That's where the murders happened, was in the pool room of this Jeez. home. And um, one time and one time only, I think he blocks it out. I'm going to put that out there. Tries to ignore it, right? He felt someone brush by him when he was down there by himself. Yeah. It's absolutely – what a great guy, though. And I love the fact that for – 
paranormal junkies like us and true crime junkies like us, he's put together this book. Absolutely. Which, again, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Horrors of Fox Hollow Farm, Unraveling the History and Hauntings of a Serial Killer's Home. And it's by Richard Estep and Robert Graves. Very cool. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, It's so crazy, though. Something like in your backyard that you had no idea about. And it was swept under the rug for all these years. And it just... Pisses me off. Anywho. Anywho. Um, y'all are coming to see us at Horrorhound, right? Better be. I, I heard you all say yes. We're totally, we're totally expecting you there. I feel like there's something I'm forgetting to mention in this one. Oh, we did get word back from Amazon, and we think we have it narrowed down to what's going on with season two. Yes. So hopefully we'll get all that finalized um like by the first of of um of this upcoming week so that collectively we can all have our shit together. Yeah, we'll get there. Promise. Yeah. But we'll get there. It'll be this worth also the wait. Means that hypothetically season three won't be as long as of like, a wait. You won't have to wait. Yes. Yes. I don't know what I'm saying. And if you haven't already, add Oddity Files to your Amazon Prime watch list. Yes. And um, I think it'll update you if there's a new season. At least I'm hoping so. I'll let you know. I, I, I'm. It's on my watch list. Is it on your watch it list? It is. Awesome. Hey, guys. We really appreciate you listening to us and sending your emails. We've gotten some great stories. Um, we wanted to get this interview up as soon as possible because – it was awesome, but next week we'll have more um, listener stories. But For keep sure. sending them in. We love them. Now, just remember when you send it in, don't just send in a sentence of what you had happened to you. If you send in a, a well-written email, you have more chance of having us read it on the air. Yeah, absolutely. And keep interacting with us on social. We love that. We love um, you know, seeing you guys tweet at us asking like, if we've made any uh, discoveries on any of our stories or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, we just love interacting with you guys. Yeah, we're at Oddity Files on everything. Thanks go so, 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 so much for listening, guys. Where does the new cool? And we'll see you next week. See ya.